Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Build Shop Podcast. I am one half of the hosting crew, Ryan Brath. I'd like to welcome my co-host to the show, Mike. How's it going? RB, I'm great. Yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. You know, it's it's been a, it's been a busy week. We're in the middle of launch season. I know this is this is different for me. You should usually uh, as like a, a full blown journalist, it was, it was writing launch pieces left, right, and center. But uh, it's fun. It's fun talking new gear. And today, you know, we are talking new gear with Jose Miraflor from Cobra, uh, responsible for putters. He's been in the golf industry for a long time, and we had a had a really good chat with him. But before we get to that, before we have like a little conversation leading into the uh, the interview with with Jose. What I want to do is get down to a little business here. Don't worry. We're not sponsored. No one's pulling us one way or direction or the other. I just want to say, if you like the show and you enjoy listening to, to Mike and I talk clubs and answer questions, remember, you can follow us along on Instagram, RDS Brath here. Mike, where are you at? Simple, Mike TXG. There we go. That's the easiest one. It's got to be so easy to find you. Uh, but if you like the show, remember, it's the like Subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the podcast channel, the TXG podcast channel, which we are on, we are a part of. And then also give us a little rating. You know, that does help for people who are looking for other podcasts and all that stuff. You know, I don't really, I don't ask for much, folks. We don't ask for much. If you do happen to, to like the show, uh, make sure to do that. All right, Mike, you covered the business. So, uh, you know, we are talking to Jose about some Cobra stuff, but I've got to ask you because you actually went to their launch event. And uh, mm-hmm. what was that like? It was great. I mean, to to be in Tucson, Arizona at Dove Mountain in the middle of December, I, I don't think there's a better place to be. It was sunny. It wasn't crazy hot, but we were able to be outside and hit golf balls and test all the new uh, Cobra LTDX product, which is uh, super exciting. I mean, um, it was a big uh, content uh, creator meeting. There was some other, you know, Golf WX was there and um, Pete Pappas was there and bunch of those, you know, my golf spy, all those guys. So it was cool to mingle with them and, and, you know, kind of put, I know most of the WRX guys, but obviously put some faces to names that you see on social, which was nice. Um, but yeah, the product was, the product was cool. I mean, you know, the one thing I don't think we get to maybe, maybe we don't share enough as like, you know, Jose and, and his team of, you know, designers and engineers and marketing team. I mean, Every OEM has them, but they're like solid, solid people, men and women that just, you could literally meet Tuesday morning and you're having vodka sodas with them at 2 AM that (laughs) night. Um, so it was, uh, it was a cool event. It's, you know, when, when you get in a room full of golf industry people, there is a, there is a different vibe that, you know, there's a lot of smart people in this room and there's a lot of people here to learn and, and kind of share the passion of equipment. So um really excited for ltdx uh you know got to hit it there was um shout out to mike hearn who's one of their who is their lead fitter at cobra he kind of hung out with me the whole day um and was kind of handing me product to test and and we were kind of nerding out on some product and stuff like that so um yeah like i said you know rad uh rad for us wasn't the uh, wasn't the best driver in the drawer that's for sure um and and cobra the you know the team at cobra will you know rightfully agree to that that like hey yeah we we were working on something and um what they've come out with ltdx is is really special and i'm not just saying that because i got to go to arizona and you know hang out with these you know these guys and girls for a couple of days it was it was legit it you know we saw numbers on on you know some trackman and we saw bryson tested and kyle and um you know played a played a round of golf with it after you know compared to my uh sim two and 
um, it was different. It was straight. Honestly, I, I think I'm calling it early, but it might be like the straightest driver of the year. Um, and that's, I'm not just saying that just cause we're, we're talking to Jose on this podcast. It's a, it's an extremely good driver. It looks fantastic. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. It's probably the most excited I've been for a Cobra product since F9. The F9 was a really good driver and so good. The other thing too, that which we, we touch on in the podcast and touch on in the area with Jose is the fact that they've gone, they've gone away from like the speed naming. They've gone away from like the F naming and they've actually brought back the name LTD, which, which dates back to a driver that's I think five or six generations old now. And yeah, 26, 2016. Yeah. And the shaping is, I know, and that's the, that's actually the driver that Bryson famously used to hit over the, the lake at Bay Hill is that that ltd the one with the space port on the bottom that you could see inside of it and, and we touch on a lot of that driver technology that was in that golf club with jose coming up because you know there is this evolution of of products and i think that's always the interesting thing to see and also like the shaping of it you know they, they the triangular shape was something that and it's, it's still around but the ls version of this driver has kind of gone a little bit more rounded a little bit more compact and that you know, again, we touch on a lot of those different things because it is, it's a part of the story that leads to not just like, it's not really a technology story. Like geometry is an important part of golf club design and development, but it's also a look story because you want people to be comfortable looking at a golf club. Cause I mean, I've looked at golf clubs in the past and, you know, I'm not necessarily comfortable using them, but I know they perform, but I'm probably not going to use it because I'm not comfortable looking at it. Right. And I think a lot yeah. of people feel that way. I think, uh, you know, from last, last season, you know, quickly, like when I went through it, when, when I was going through my driver fit, I obviously loved the look of TSI two and TSI three more, more so TSI three, but there is like an intimidating factor. Look at TSI three, very small pear shape. I'm coming from a, you know, a SIM that kind of SIM max kind of a little bigger in a way, visually more appealing. And if it doesn't look, if you don't like the look of it, or if it kind of looks intimidating, that's half the battle. And, and I say this to customers all the time, you know, some like Porsche, some like Ferrari, like, you know, you got to like what you're looking at. And, and although performance is, is everything you, you still gotta, you still gotta be able to trust it by, uh, by looks. I love that you drop a car reference, Mike, you know, I'm a big, I'm not that I'm a big car guy, but I like using car analogies when it comes to talking golf clubs. And it's funny, like when I was younger, I used to like not be a Porsche. I always thought Porsche looked kind of cool. And I was like, yeah, they're not really like, they're not really my thing. I think I, now that I own one or had the choice to, but I always kind of gravitated towards like different, different style cars. And now I don't know, maybe cause I'm older, maybe it's just something about, it. and I was like, see some of the older portion. I'm like, man, those things are cool. It's like, when you look yeah. at a classic golf, you're like that, dude, that wasn't that cool at the time. And now you're like, that's awesome. So I always think that's kind I of know. funny. Um, but without further ado, no, we will tell, we'll, we'll go back and forth on this. And there's, there's a lot more club releases coming up. we got a couple more interviews scheduled, which I, I know we're really excited to share. And uh, also, you know, we, we did shout out a couple of people there from, from Cobra. I also want to say a big thank you to uh, Rachel from Cobra as well. She helped set up this interview. She does a lot of stuff on the, the back end of Cobra that you don't really ever see from when it comes to the events and, and things like this with a lot of their team and very uh, thankful to her for, for helping set this up. So uh, Mike, Without further ado, we'll turn it over to our conversation with Jose Mirafor from Cobra Golf. So I'd like to welcome to the Build Shop Podcast for the very first time, Jose Mirafor from Cobra Golf, Cobra Puma Golf. Sorry. How are you today? I'm great. How are you, Ryan? 
I'm doing all right. You know, uh, Mike and myself uh, dealing Toronto here, dealing with a lot of snow recently, uh, almost close to three feet. I'm not sure if you're dealing with the same thing in your neck of the woods, are you? Well, I was dealing with almost three feet of snow last week, but I was up in the mountain skiing. So it was on purpose. Not that I had to stay there. I got to leave, right? So very different from what you guys do. Very much by choice. That's the operative word. You get to leave it. We don't. So one one of the big reasons we wanted to have you on the show uh, is because, you know, this time of year, it's it's product release season. And you guys have got a really cool lineup this year when it comes to your metal woods. And one of the other things we'll touch on, which came out last year, which I think is still also really neat to touch on from a manufacturing and prototyping side, is the 3D printed putters and how you've kind of brought 3D printing to other parts of your product line. But let's start with the driver because we've got a whole new line, LTD. And most people are familiar with LTD from, uh, you know, I want to say, was that four or five years ago now with the spaceport on the bottom of that driver? And no, that driver's been around. It's, it's done very well. We've seen Bryson using it at certain times during last year, you know, the big driver over the pond at Bay Hill. That was pretty cool. <laughs> so what was the reason for bringing that back? And then let's dive into the three models that you've got. Absolutely. The name LTD, to your point, originated in 2016, right? That was the year where we told everybody that we actually did some research in space on that actual space part that you saw on that driver. Um, we did some things on the International Space Station with CASIS on it. It has significance because it was the first zero CGNA driver at 460 cc's that we made. Um, and that means, you know, your, your CG is aligned up with the center of the face, and there's this line that you can draw through, it's called the neutral axis. When your CG is on that or have zero CGNA, when you hit the ball in the center of the face, it's a really efficient transfer of energy. You're gonna have more ball speed. You're not gonna have uh, the driver de-lofting at impact. So you're gonna have less spin. You're gonna have higher launch. And that was a big first. And that's why Bryson really liked that driver, really controlled in its spin creation, really good transfer of energy. Today, uh, you know, this year we're launching the LTD-X family, X standing for extreme. So keeping that zero CGNA uh, performance, we're adding extreme um, forgiveness or extreme stability to that type of head. You know, in the past, you always had to decide, okay, am I a guy who wants max speed and workability, which is another way of saying that the driver isn't as stable as it could be, or am I somebody who's going to pick a super forgiving or stable driver, but at the sacrifice probably of low spin and maybe a little bit of speed because that driver is dynamically lofting at impact, right? Well, this year, that's what we're bringing together in one head. The LTDX bridges the gap. It's the perfect combination of low spin and speed with forgiveness. Or if you need to hear it the opposite way, perfect uh, configuration of forgiveness with a lot of low spin and speed. Um, bringing both drivers together into one. And that's what makes this one very unique. A um, couple of things have led to that discovery and that ability to make. One of them is a brand new chassis system, which saved us a lot of weight. In saving this weight out of the titanium, we're able to use it somewhere else. We're able to create this technology we're calling Power Core this year, which moves the weight really forward. Doesn't touch the face, but it's really far forward sitting just behind the face, and that's what gives you the speed. The low spin is because we situated that weight low, low and forward. 
the low gives you the low spin. So that's the engine of the driver. It gives us a lot of that CG positioning that are what the engineers have been trying to do, zero CG and A. And then we add in the forgiveness in this new chassis because it has actually, you know, weights around the perimeter of the head. And that's what gives you a lot of forgiveness and stability on off-center hits. Really well done chassis can give you the perimeter weighting that you need. And then your weight inside that chassis position forward and bias can deliver you the speed and low spin. And then probably the last piece of technology that I think is important to note is we came out with a brand new face this year. It's called hot face, highly optimized topology, cheeky way of saying our engineers utilized our supercomputers to create a face with 15 different hot spots on it. And in doing so, we can individually control those spots. If somebody were to tell us your spots are a little hot here, a la USGA saying your CTs are a little high, we can slow them down, but just in that one spot. And then if we see spots that are actually kind of slow, we can work to thin those areas, make them faster. So we're delivering a larger area of which we're maximizing CT. And those three big technologies together really help to make this LTDX family. I think uh, the the integration of, of AI with uh, with drivers has well with any club has really changed the game. Would you say over the years that's kind of been the busy, biggest advancement in in tech with, when it comes to designing golf clubs? Well, you know, you were always asked every year, you know, how do you make a driver faster? Right? Yeah. You know, we're governed by the USGA and speed on the center of the face, or actually anywhere on the face. And we found over the years that you can actually have hot spots that are not in the center. Right, we've had hot spots in the toe and high toe in drivers for years, uh, and and we have to watch that. But in learning from that, you also can learn that you can make hot spots in other places that are typically slow. And being able to be in control of your face through face milling on the outside or forging it to shape, or you know milling the backside of it, whatever you need to do to control your thicknesses, if you can truly control them, you the a larger sweet zone, if you will, um, so that people can reap the benefits of speed no matter where they hit it. Because let's face it, we're not on the PGA Tours. We do miss it off center. And even those guys do too. And Bryson will be the first one to tell you he doesn't want to miss out on anything could be really hard. He misses it off the center of the face. And our engineers were up to that battle and designed something with that. So yes, AI helps you get there faster um, because it's computing. And then if you're smart, you're you're always putting back numbers back into that system to help it spit out another uh, version of it. That's even better than what you started with because you're inputting numbers that you're getting. So yeah, that that's a big one. Right. Now, when it comes to the, like, you know, we talked, you mentioned like a production thing that has obviously changed the way you guys make drivers, which is CNC milling the club face, right? We've, we see it in putters. We'll see it in wedges. And we talk, people talk about precision, but you guys have brought that to the driver face. But another part of that is from a manufacturing side is not just manufacturing for the consumer from like a larger perspective, but how has processes like, you know, CNC milling, which has been around for a long time, obviously, but 3D printing changed the way you guys are able to prototype because, you know, I, we always joke like engineers don't just sit around and go, oh, well, it's time to make a new driver this year. Like you're always, always evolving. How does that prototype stage and how do those stages change now that you're able to do prototyping so much quicker than it used to be done? 
My goodness, it has changed over the years. As you guys know, I've been in the business for quite a while now. And I remember, you know, 3D printing back in the day was you would take your CAD and you'd put it into a 3D printer, but it was made out of wax. And if you dropped it, it would break. It was it was that flimsy. And then we moved on to other types of materials that are more robust that you print it in. And you can look at it for overall shape and, and curvatures, but only on a singular plane. One plane would look good. The other plane's pretty jagged. In comes 3D printing into metal. And now you're game changing. Not only can you look at shapes um, and look at more intricate shaping to it and on different dimensions, you can actually hit it which is very different, right? And to be able to rapid prototype into 3D printing and be able to hit something is very cool. We, we, as you guys were alluding to, we, we showed the first ever 3D printed putter in 2020. And last year we launched our 3D printed putters. But in between that, we also had a 3D printed medallion in the Rad Speed Irons. So you can see us integrating 3D printing into a bunch of different things. And to your question, Ryan, is what's the benefits of it? Well, in 3D printing, you don't have to create a tool. So you can actually, you know, um, in parallel, create 20 different prototypes that you have all of them made and you can look at them all together instead of one at a time, let's try one because you have to spend eight weeks tooling something up and then get it and only discover that after four hits, you really don't like it, right? So you can do a lot more in tandem, if you will, to get to your end result faster. Now. You had to do it in a different way. There's a lot of things you have to take into account, centering, how much shrinkage and all these things that the engineers have been working on for two years to, to learn how to do more efficiently. But uh, you can prototype a lot more things at one time. I think the, the neat thing with, uh, you know, with your prototyping, I, you know, some people might think, oh, it's, it's becoming easier. I wouldn't consider it easier, but it's making you probably guys more efficient. Like you said, you can test stuff a lot faster mail it to a player maybe even faster and and get you know get an answer six months earlier than you normally would which is which is huge when when it came to when it came to your putters um and and obviously you know doing a you know partnership with with sick was there certain things that shocked you with that with that sick technology no not really i mean i was in charge of putters for another company for a while so i had my background in putters and when I met um, Stephen Harrison through Bryson in 2018 at um, the U.S. Open, we had dinner at Bryson's place, and there was a large entourage of people there. And Stephen and I had a drink together, and we just sat down over dinner and just started talking our backgrounds in golf and our thoughts on creating role. And there was a lot of synergy, actually. He, he's so knowledgeable when it comes to the putter design and role as well as putter uh, technique and how to stroke the ball. We had a pretty fun visit together and, you know, struck up an agreement of, you know, how about we share resources and you, you let us use your descending loft at the same time, you know, we have global distributions. We would, we would help get the, the name of sick uh, putters and descending loft out there in an even greater way and really let them attack the 100% middle area and let us do our 3D printed and our cast putter line. And, you know, it's turned out pretty well. I, I told them my intent was to take it back to our design and engineering group and, and make it into an insert because we, you know, in, in, in my understanding of the business, 
almost, you know, 90% of putters, 85, 90% of putters out there are going to be mostly inserted putters. And when, it, when you're talking about units and, you know, to, to take that lo- that descending loft technology that they have and make it into something where you can manufacture a softer sounding uh, insert, save some weight from, you know, it being steel and turn it into something lighter. All of that helps benefit a multi-material putter, or even just a cast putter saving weight. So you can screw on weights lighter or heavier. So um, it was easy, I would say, relatively to, to strike up that um, relationship and, and, and business agreement to partner together. Um, and it's great. Um, I was pleasantly surprised once we put it into testing how consistent it can make your launch conditions. And um, easily from most of you guys who have known about L, um, the um, descending loft technology all these years, you guys right away know when we're putting it on our product line so that it's a technology that's, that works well. So it's been a, it's been a home run, I would say. Yeah. Launch, launch conditions are like one of those things that, you know, we talk about a lot because of high-speed camera that we're able to show people with Quintic when it comes to club fitting. And it's still something that people don't really always think about when it comes to putters. They think about launch conditions with drivers, but it does play a massive role in, well, creating role and how that gets stays online and gets the ball moving. But, you know, when we talk about how, you know, materials, when it comes to putters and and moving weight around and those kind of things, one of the, I know it's leading all the way back to like the F9 and and drivers and the, even before then, when you had like carbon composite on the sole and you had a sliding weight track and all of those different things into those different like driver models, how has carbon fiber changed the way you guys utilize that in drivers? Because to me, I think back to some drivers that when I was a kid, like there, they, there were some models that would have it on the top of the crown. And like, how has that like evolution of materials changed? And, you know, like we see, I mean, you held it up earlier. No, this is a podcast, but you held up a shell of the new driver and you see how precise that casting is when it comes to titanium. How has that precision been brought to carbon fiber as well to save weight to allow you to utilize the metals that are used in the drivers? You know, carbon fiber has gone through innovation over the years as well. I mean, carbon that we used in the 2000s is not the same carbon we're using today. The the plies are much thinner. Um, you know, we we even have different types of carbon fiber layups. We've we've had carbon fiber uh, layers. There's people have used forged composite. Um, and we've used back in LTD days, we used a, a type of carbon fiber that was called TechStream carbon fiber. It was woven like squares. And that's why our carbon fiber inside the LTDX, LTD driver, when you looked inside, you can see a square pattern, very different than a normal woven carbon fiber layup that you see today on high-end sports cars and things like that. That is what we're using today. Is a type that you see just about everywhere that cares to show off high-end carbon fiber, but the carbon fiber layups on our crowns and soles today are much thinner. So we only have to use three to five to seven different layers, depending on what you're trying to create to make um, something super light, but yet have the strength of it so that the USGA doesn't you know, push their thumb and have it cave in. It has to be solid or firm in, in, in its way. So we use... Um, a carbon fiber that we get from China. Our engineers are working with carbon fiber people all the time to, to find innovation, find ways to make it thinner, to use less plies, to save us even more weight. And we're trying to cover even more 
of the driver in carbon fiber because that simply means you've relieved yourself of hopefully some titanium weight from an area that doesn't need it so that you can put it somewhere else. But yes, carbon fiber has gotten thinner uh, over the years. Now, the other thing too, again, I want to talk about, because you know we've, got, we've had the rad speed irons. I remember writing about those when they came out. And the big thing, I know from Mike's perspective as well, we always kind of think about how, what makes our job easier as club builders or is that weight on the toe to allow for adjusting for length and adjusting for like different shafts that might go into the product, things like that. How has like, when you, when you brought for the new irons, the LTD irons, what was the next evolution for you guys to create? Because, you know, we've talked about materials, we've talked about carbon fiber, we've talked about 3d printing, but you consider, you know, how far iron construction has come from where you, when you started in the industry to now you've got, extra weights in the toe using different materials. You've got a, a face, you've got the body of the iron, you've got the insert of the iron, you've got stuff inside the insert of the iron to help with acoustics. How difficult is it to bring all of those things together when it comes to designing product, you know, designing for simplicity and saying a forged pro- like iron or something like, like the Ricky, the Ricky blade mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. something that has all of these different materials that are designed for a different golfer that are designed entirely for performance to a different player. It really isn't that hard when you when you write out your definition of who you're trying to build for. When when you say you're going to build for the best players in the world, a lot of Ricky, you know, and you know that he's looking for a muscle back or a some kind of forging shape, it it makes it very simple for you. You're trying to put the CGs in the right position for that person you're designing for. You might want to use tungsten to help you, you know, make it a little bit more forgiving if you can put it heel or toe or directly behind the sweet spot. Um, and those are the main things you're trying to do is deliver the trajectory and control that they're looking for. I think it gets a little harder when you're designing for consumers who aren't as consistent and maybe are looking for a couple of things. The, they come to the table and they're looking for the key thing most everybody looks for is more distance, right? So more distance, but yet they want it to, which means you're going to build thin faces, but yet they want it to sound really good. And then they're going to want to customize it in, in the shaft and then have it built to their specifications. So there's all these things you got to design. First and foremost, if you said distance, it makes you want to think about, well, the easiest way to do it is by strengthening lofts. Uh, I think we know today lofts are pretty strong in most game improvement irons. But, you know, there are those of us who bear the responsibility as can you stop this iron on a green? Can this person get it airborne? Those are very important. So then, you know, we start working on super thin faces that flex a lot and give you fiber can. And we even gone to the point where we have this PowerShell face where the wrap, the, the forged face that you're welding on wraps around the bottom of the sole and creates this little bit of return on the bottom so that the bottom acts like a catapult that helps it gain some trajectory, gain some spin so that it can stop still. Um, and then from there, you build outward and say, okay, we got him the speed. How do we deliver, you know, forgiveness? Well, you got to put a lot of weight, heel and toe, so that it, it delivers that forgiveness form of stability when you hit it off center, maybe a little toe, a little here, or maybe even a little low on the face. Um, and then, of course, comes the feel part, which, you know, we used in Rad Speed last year, a, a, um, a 3D print nylon structure that um, help damp vibrations and also look kind of cool. In LTDX, it isn't 3D printed this year. It's it's actually just a 
uh, it's uh, injection molded, um, but we were able to learn from our 3D printing times and learn how to make a medallion that has the lattice and could be a little bit less expensive than 3D printing and still has the damping vibrations uh, ability that it does. So all those together, and, and then you brought it up first, having saving enough weight to be able to put uh, a nominal screw of 10 grams in the toe and have it be heavier or lighter, depending on your build. That's all been about saving weight in the head of the iron in order to push it somewhere else. So there's, there's a lot to it. And then, you know, we haven't even talked about somebody says, I want a hollow iron. Then what do you do for a hollow iron? Because now you're using up weight and you're raising CG. How do you keep CG low? And the use of tungsten and irons like that is going to be super important. There's so much into it. And I, I guess it always goes back to, it gets easier when you say, what's the handicap and performance you're designing for? Then you can decide from your tackle box of, of technologies what you're going to use, right? I think the, the beauty thing with that LTDX iron, um, when we were all together in Arizona a couple of weeks ago, I mean, you look at, you know, the rad iron, great iron, un unfortunately, very hard for us to bend during a, a fitting uh, with our adapter, but we, we may do. But with LTDX, like you guys were saying, you know, you've created a game improvement iron that doesn't have to be hard as a rock and hard to manipulate and non-adjustable for a, for a fitting session like us. I mean, we'll bend we'll bend loft and lies all day long as, as much as we can. And sometimes it's maybe a little unorthodox as far as we go, but we're trying to get that, that perfect, you know, number for that client and um, to now have, you know, LTDX to be able to actually manipulate a little bit more. It's, it can only make our demo matrix stronger and, and hopefully some more sales for LTDX irons. Thanks for that, Michael. Thanks for the reminder. Yes, absolutely. That's probably one of the big differences we did this year is we stayed with a super, uh, you know, stiff face, that's forged, but the body is a cast 431 stainless steel, which we all know to be super malleable or ductile, if you will. You can bend it up and down, you know, three to four degrees and make it degree stronger, degree weaker easily. And that's super important for you guys who are building things on the fly and customizing for your customers. You need an iron that can actually get to their line goals because as we all know, dialing in for the perfect line angle and even loft is super important for offers out there. And and that comes down too, even to like the, the adjustability that's in the fairway woods and, and the driver, right. When we talk about uh, a slight uh, adjust of adjusting of the, of the line angle of a driver slightly changes the center of gravity relative to the axis, as well as the face, not face angle, but start line. And with that as well, when you add in you know, three different models for the driver and you have different models of the fairway wood, all of those things you know, you guys are stepping up your game when it comes to the custom fitting side of things, because, you know, I, I think back to, you know, I started, let's see here, let's call it the mid two thousands in the golf industry, as far as just working in a big box retailer. And there, there was custom fitting was still available. Of course it was always there, but you know, there weren't as many options and people would just kind of come in and grab a set off the wall and walk out the door. But the inventory now that you see in these larger stores where they do kind of have inventory is nowhere near what it is now, because the whole idea is to get people into the right equipment the first time and have them walk out. And you guys have done a really good job expanding that custom fitting from the irons, having them be bendable to the hybrids and fairy woods fitting into different categories. And then last but not least, also talking about one length, which I think is always something that, you know, you guys obviously uh, with Bryson have pioneered, not 
you weren't the first ones, obviously, but you no know, pioneered from the mainstream perspective for golfers. How, how does that all kind of tie itself together to making sure that when a golfer comes in and they're getting Cobra golf clubs and they're getting fitter, they're looking at your products, how that term, how, what you're doing now helps determine what's in their bag as far as the fitting is concerned. Well, I mean, it's no secret. There are different levels of golfers out there. And if you're truly going to be a company that's going to be able to make clubs for all golfers, we, we call it enjoy golf, right? We want to help people enjoy golf, no matter what level they play to. Right. So of course we make tour level clubs because we have players on tour that we sponsor. We're going to make products for them day in and day out. But we also want to make products for, you know, the normal. You have your zero to 10 handicaps, 10 to 20s and 20s and above. And they all need, want similar things, but their setups are, are going to be quite different. So we make, you know, the LTDX family is anywhere from tour up to 25. Um, we have drivers that cater to the fastest swingers in the world, a la Bryson and Kyle, uh, to Ricky and Lexi and Curtis Thompson now was with our family. Um, and then you have the normal people like, like the three of us, right? We're probably single digit handicappers that love to play on the weekends and want to dominate our friends on the golf course. So we need to make products for us. We need to make products for people that are aspiring golfers, mid handicaps that want to become single digits. And in, then you have the slower swingers and the higher handicaps who want to continue to play golf and get better as well. So you're always making something different for them. And, you know, we hope to cover all these avenues. And one length is just an, another, another great example. When Bryson came to us in 2016 and he brought the one length thing to us, um, we learned, have learned from it over these years. I remember when one length in 2017 came out, all the lie angles were the same. Um, all the heads were seven iron head weights um, and, you know, everything was the same shaft, just the same length. And since then we make our long irons uh, a little bit wider sole. CGs are a little further back. The lofts are maybe half degree weaker because we want these long irons to get in the air. Our lie angles are no longer all the same lie angles because we know that when you look down at a seven iron length pitching wedge, you don't swing that as hard as a seven iron length, four iron. So your shaft droops will be different and your lie angles need to be accounted for. So we, we've learned a lot. We even know that today that, you know, using a lighter shaft for your long irons helps you create more speed and launch and having a wedge flex or heavier shaft in your wedge shafts on one length help keep the trajectories down, just like tour players use on their wedges to help keep the, the, the trajectories in control. So all of that works and you know, we, we, we continue to try and hone in all the different aspects of the clubs we make. Um, and, you know, this is one of those years where we have a lot of clubs coming out. And I think um, if you haven't tried Cobra clubs. This is going to be a year you're going to want to try some. Definitely. Jose, when it comes to, obviously, you know, you gave us a rundown when one length first started, it changed to what it is today. How has Arcos helped you guys with, uh, with club design or, or kind of, you know, forecasting for what's going to be kind of the, the next, you know, big thing for you guys. Arcus has been great. It's helped us to validate a lot of theories and invalidate some of the things that we've learned about how golfers make choices on the golf course. Um, you know, we, we definitely have learned from ourselves and for golfers, how far they really do hit the golf ball on course. I mean, I think one of the big things we laugh about is, you know, we all seem to think we hit our irons longer than norm 
longer than we really do. And that's because we're on the range and you get really warmed up and maybe on the 20th seven iron, I'm going to hit a seven iron, you know, 165 yards. But I know on the golf course, when I only get one swing at it, I'm probably going to hit it about 154. I learned that from Marcos and I can depend on 154, 155. Um, unless it's super hot in the summer, maybe I can eke out a little bit more stuff, but I, I know how far I really do hit it. I know my, one of the things Arcos has taught us is your, the greens that you do hit, it actually tells you how far you're an average you are. So, you know, I practice a lot of five foot putts cause I don't like to three putt, but I also know that my average distance from a pin is about 24 and a half feet. So I practice a lot of 25 footers on the greens I do hit. I also know that when I miss greens, my average distance is over 50 feet. So I got to get it, get a good get at getting up and down from 50 feet from the pin, but being off the green. So Arcos can teach you a lot about your own game. It's very humbling. It kind of sucks when you figure out you don't hit the driver as far as you think you do, but uh, you can make some better choices on the golf course to hopefully get a little bit better at this game that we all love. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, you guys pioneered that with, with it, having it in your irons. And like, I know I had the chance to talk to to Sal from Arcos at one point in time. And I can remember like when it first, first came out and I was like, this isn't, this isn't going to work. Like people got to tap and they got to do all this stuff. And like, you know, it's just going to make the round of golf take, take longer. Now I'm a Arcos user <laughs> because the, the technology is so good. And the information is so good. You realize like what strokes gain data does for your in, like for your own golf game. Like, I don't necessarily carry a handicap, but I use the handicap system on the, on the, on the app. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Where, where does my game, where's my game good? Where's my game suck? And how can I work on that? And I think the fact that I think you, I can't remember exactly what driver it was, but I remember when you originally offered it in a driver and I thought that was like, just to give people driving data to help them create information. And then, you know, through the process of having access to that data, you can design golf clubs, which really do help kind of lead your way and, you know, figuring out gapping and all these different things. I can remember a couple of years ago at the speed zone event, I think it was, uh, Yagley was talking about, uh, the 64 degree wedge. And he's like, you can see your proximity gets closer and closer and closer for most golfers with their golf clubs. And then for some reason, the 64 degree wedge is further away. And it's because most people have this golf club screw up with it. And that's why we don't really kind of focus too much on that area. And I think that that is something where, you know, you can talk to a golfer and get some type of like individual data. But when you have a data set of, you know, tens of thousands of golfers, all of a sudden that information is so much more useful to you guys when it comes to putting together sets. And, you know, you've created combo sets. You've got, you know, there's some other drivers that come out for different swing speeds that we're going to see a little yeah. bit in the future. So when it comes to that and you're designing like for the gapping perspective, does that relate to the lofts and all those different things? Like how does that kind of tie itself in? For sure. I mean, that's one of the great things about Arcos is you can see the gap in your set. And, you know, when you transition from either an iron to another iron or from an iron to a hybrid, you want to check those gaps. And there's nothing like having a system that measures what you do on course versus you at a driving range, trying to see how far a ball flies and says, yeah, that looks about 10 yards. That's about right. When you actually get data from Arcos that says on golf course, my five iron may go 185, but my four hybrid only goes 190. Um, I need to tune that hybrid to go a little bit further, right? And thank goodness I play a hybrid where I can adjust the loft on and I can make it juice it a little bit and make it go a little bit further. You want to have 
10 yard gaps in, in your product lines and knowing how to get those 10 yard gaps or maybe even eliminate a hybrid that doesn't matter. So maybe you hit your four hybrid, great, and your three hybrid and you have a two hybrid and that you don't need the three because the gap is not there. You can simply take out, forget what's the number. I guess my big advice to those out there that are listening in is doesn't matter what clubs you have in your bag, forget the numbers that you see, tune into the yardages you need them to be so that you have good gaps and you're hitting. Most of us play at one or two golf courses all the time. Do you, are you hitting the numbers you need to hit on those golf courses so that you can score your best? That's more important. I don't even look at my wedge loss. I tune my wedges for what's the carry that I'm trying to carry. And they happen to turn out to be five degree increments. You know, most people have been doing fours for many years. Um, but for me, I, I needed fives and I, I'm able to gap between my pitching wedge, my gap, my sand and, and lob wedge. There's always five degrees and it turns out pretty well for me. So my advice to all of you is um, just get the gaps in your set that you need. doesn't matter what loft is actually on there. Just make sure it performs well for you. You're going to find this game a lot easier to be able to hit numbers. Very cool. And with that, with that, I think that, you know, it's one of the topics we always touch on is, is custom fitting and making sure that at the end of the day, you know, I, I like the idea of focusing on, on your yardages as well. I know, you know, peep some of the players that popularized using launch monitors out of the, on the PGA tour where they'd go to each event, regardless of the, whatever the altitude is, they'd figure out how far they, they hit their six iron or their eight iron or whatever, and then gap the rest of their bag. And that's how they dial in. So, you know, if you're playing the same golf course, you don't really have to worry too much about altitude, but it just helps you get that information as you go to the golf course and play better. Jose, really appreciate your time today. I know we're, we're excited to share the conversation and talk about the new drivers. You know, we've, we've been on this embargo for a little bit now. We we've known what's going on in the background. So we're, we're definitely excited to share and do appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on guys. Always fun talking shop with you guys. I'm happy to be here anytime. 